Well, we made it. We're at the end of our uh, sermon series, our final installation, 16 weeks. We have been in this, 17 weeks, counting Easter. And some of you are probably uh, pretty glad because James, man, he shoots a straight arrow. And if you're like me, you've been shot several times throughout this sermon series. Many times. I've personally been been challenged uh, to move forward in my walk with Jesus Christ. I've been convicted. Many times I've been challenged to continue to persevere, persevere in my faith. Well, today we're only going to cover two verses. It's the last two verses of chapter 5 in James. If, if we... If we were reading a letter from Paul, he would be ending the letter with some nice thing, something like, oh, I can't wait to see you soon. Tell so-and-so hi while you're at it. You know, Paul, he would give us great challenges in all of his letters, but he would sandwich those great challenges with uh, love and compassion, words of affirmation on both ends of his letters. That's not how, uh, that's not how James does it. No, James, he gets right off, right in his letter, and he starts right off challenging us. He gives 50-plus directives throughout his letters. Remember, his letter is written to... Uh, the dispersed Jewish Christians, the people all over that, that have ran because they were being persecuted, and he has challenged them along the way over 50 times, and he does it again right here at the end because he wants to see, he wants the individual who's reading it, and he wants us, as we're listening about it, to test our authenticity do we really follow Jesus Christ? Do we really trust him as our Lord and Savior? James might say it this way. If your faith is genuine, then your walk must be authentic. We always said, uh, the walk your walk and talk your talk, right? There was a pastor I, I read. He, he summed up James' ultimate question for, for all, of, all of the letter of James. He said, if you say you believe like you should, then why do you behave like you shouldn't? Almost sounds like a Paul in Romans. If you say you believe like you should, if you say you're a Christian, then why in the world are you acting that way? You ask yourself that question? Well, let's read these two verses uh, they're going to be up on the screen for you up here. Uh, if you would join me in standing, we'll read these two verses. Just two simple verses. James, simple. <laughs> I said that. that. That's not true. These are not simple verses. James five nineteen through 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask for your guidance today. 
We ask that you help us to understand your word and that you challenge us. You challenge us uh, to take the next step in our walk with you. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Well, as we go through the verse, I think there are some questions we need to ask ourselves. And the first one is, am I serving God? Am I serving God? James 5.19 starts off by saying, my brothers, you'll see it right up there. Jacob will show it. My brothers, my brothers. It's interesting. James addresses my brothers multiple times. And so does Peter. I mean, uh, Paul. Paul wrote 13 letters in scripture in the New Testament. He says, my brothers, eight times in those 13 letters. It's, it's kind of a big deal, that phrase. James says, my brothers, eight times in this one letter. And, and we know that when, when he's starting off with my brothers, he's, he's getting intimate with them. He's connecting with them. He's saying, you are my brothers. I am a a believer in Jesus Christ. You are a believer in Jesus Christ. And so we are family. He's connecting them directly. But I think before we move forward in, in this section, I think we need to identify three different categories that I see James talking about here. So I'm going to have you take your, take your pens and, and anywhere on your notes. I want you to write these three uh, J- Jacob will show them on the screen here. Saved, unsaved, and wandering. Three different categories. And, and each of us fall in one of those three categories. Saved, unsaved, and wandering. And obviously, I'm going to explain and expound upon it a little bit. You're, you're part of one of those three. I want you to think about, but I do want you to write those three words down in there, but I want you to think about which one you are. You don't have to make a note on it. Just make a mental note. Which one are you in? Which category? Let's define them. First of all, saved. Acts 4.12. It says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Being saved means that you are personally in an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, 1 John 5, 12. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever has the Son has life. Jesus said it himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Except through Jesus. John 1, 12 says... But to all who did receive, but all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The very comment that James starts off with, my brothers, or some versions say, my brethren, he is assuming that they are believers in Jesus Christ. That they are people who profess to believe, to trust in the truth which is Jesus Christ. So in contrast, we have that middle word, unsaved. People, 
that do not believe in Jesus, that do not trust in Jesus, that do not follow Jesus, or maybe don't even care about Jesus. John 3.18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but get this, whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. What's the only Son of God? Who is it? Jesus. Romans 9.27 says, And Isaiah cried out concerning Israel. You know, this, this is not popular, what I'm about to say, what, what Romans 9.27 says, because in our culture today, everybody is saved. There's just so many different ways to get to heaven. There's so many ways. But that, that's not truth. Romans 9.27, And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of sons of Israel, Israel what, what was God's nation, though the number of sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. Only a small amount. John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains in him. You guys are smart people. You, you know the difference of, of saved and unsaved. Believing in Jesus Christ and not believing in Jesus Christ, not trusting in Jesus. But there is a third category that we have up there. We need to ask the question, am I a wanderer? Am I a wanderer? And a wanderer is defined as a person who travels aimlessly, who's just moseying around aimlessly. I had a kid in, in Little League the other day, I, he was told to go out to left field, to play left field, and, and he literally, I don't know what, it took him about six days to get out to left field. He was traveling aimlessly, looking at stuff. That's what a wanderer is. Someone who's, tra who, who's traveling aimlessly, and it could be any number of circumstances uh, that, that guide him that way. He says... Let's go to the next one. My brothers, Jacob, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, if anyone among you wanders from the truth. You see what, where, what he's saying here? I, I brought this up here. If anyone among you, and this is pointing back to brothers, so if anyone among you, if any one of my brothers, so that'd be like saying you guys are my brothers and sisters, and I said if anyone among you is wandering, is wandering. This is so similar to verse 13 and 14 of the same chapter. So similar. Each of the verses, they start with if anyone if any of you, if any among you, he starts in the same way. Let's look at that real quick. Verse 13, he talks about those who suffer, and he tells them to pray. In verse 14, this is category two for him. He's got three categories. 
Verse 14 says, is anyone among you sick or weary? And he talks about them going to, uh, to the elders to get care, to be prayed for. Now verse 19, he says, if anyone among you, uh, this, this is a third category. So verse 13, he says, if, a belie- if, if any of you, it was a believer who suffered. That was the people he was referring to, believers. In verse 14, it's a believer the believer who needs spiritual strength is supposed to be get the spiritual strength from righteous men. And now in verse 19, the one who claimed to be a believer, the one who claims to be a believer is, is supposed to get help from the fellowship. They need help to be drawn back. You see, many times the word wanderer It means someone who's not saved completely. Unsaved. That's what we've said. And James here is pointing to people who have claimed to love Jesus. At least they've made that proclamation, but they've fallen away. You know, I have a couple of friends, close friends, that believed in Jesus. One was baptized. They both were memorizing scripture at some point in their walk with Jesus. One went to Bible camp. Man, they, you, you would have thought that, man, these guys, are, these guys are on the right path. But today, a decade or two later, They reject Jesus, both of them. They don't care about Jesus. One calls calls himself an educated agnostic. What in the world happened? Weren't, Weren't they trusting and... Jesus Christ, and I, you know what? I, I bet that you know some people like that too. I bet that you know somebody who trusted in Jesus Christ, who appeared to be in love with the Savior, and has gone away. Now, interesting, you may be thinking I'm preaching here that if someone has given their life to Jesus Christ and Christ has called them their own, that they can lose their salvation. That's not what I'm preaching here at all. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace, and I think we have this up here, thanks Jacob, For by grace you have been saved, grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, this is God doing it, It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. This is justification by grace alone. You are justified by grace alone. The the next verse that we're going to talk about, Romans 8.30, is going to say, if you are justified, if you do get justified, it is guaranteed you're going to get glorified. And we understand glorification is the final step of salvation. Look at this, Romans 8, 8.30. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. 
That's what we just read. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Those justified are glorified. You know, this isn't something left to chance. This isn't like probability. Last year, the Chicago Cubs were in the World Series. Newsflash, anyone know that? They were down three games to one to the Cleveland Indians. They had a 13.6% chance, based on history, to win the World Series at that point. But we all know they're, they're the world champions. Right? That, that, was, that was chance, probability. Some people would say there was, well, it was guaranteed. No, this is guaranteed. If you are justified, you will be glorified. It is a guarantee. As Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. The work has already been done. In this verse that we read about James, he's referring to someone that has wandered from the truth. He's wandered from the truth. Remember James, is, it, it, the whole goal of James, I've said it a dozen times probably, he's testing individuals who are proclaiming to be Christians are they genuine or not? Are you a genuine believer? That, that's something that we all need to be doing. Iron sharpening iron. Is it real? Is your walk with Christ actually real? When James says that they are wandering from the truth, he isn't saying that they left the truth completely. Not necessarily. Sometimes people wander. Sometimes there's major life situations uh, going on. Maybe there was a death in the family and they reject God in some fashion by, by going down this dark corner of their life for, for a short season. That's where the fellowship is crucial to help bring them back. But those people may still be justified, which means that they're also glorified. They just need help. So the third question I have today, we need to ask, am I seeking out wanderers? Am I seeking out wanderers? We'll go back to the scriptures. We have it here, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone, who's the someone? You. Someone is you. If someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner, we'll finish the rest, whoever, someone. James is telling us, like he's told us in the past verses, the job of fellow believers is to help those that are strained, to help those that need to be encouraged. That's our job. We don't get paid for it. It is a privilege. It is a pure joy to help bring someone back. Man, I've confronted a few people. I've confronted a few people in my day where I, I said, what are you doing? Why are you... This, this doesn't make sense. You said you love Jesus Christ. Why, why would you do that? And all the time I'm probably convicting myself while I'm saying that. You know, one of the guys I confronted... It hasn't been a lot. Man, he came back to the Lord. And today he's raising his kids 
convicted servant, Jesus Christ. But he wandered for a little while. I had Tom play the song that has prone to wander. Did you catch that? We are prone to wander. But it's intimidating to exhort someone, isn't it? it? Even in our own family. If Sherry was doing something that I thought was ungodly, I hope that I would, I would challenge her and I would exhort her in her walk, but it's difficult. Now move it to another step. It's your brother or it's your uncle. Or it's the neighbor, two houses down, that you, you kind of know. But you can see that the wheels are falling off. You see, we're scared. We're scared to, to challenge anyone. Sherry and I, many years ago, we, we pulled into a gas station, and, and I was pumping gas, and, and I probably went in and got snacks. I love gas station snacks. Man, I love them. And, and, and when, when I got done with the gas, something distracted me, and I left the cap hanging down. You know the classic, you see the guy driving down the street with that? <laughs> I was worried about the snacks. I might have got a king-size Reese's peanut butter cup. Those are good. You know, we're driving down the interstate, and I'm driving along, and, and this car is flashing. It's like, beep, beep honking their horn, they pull up next to us, roll down their window. I'm like, what in the world is going on? Hey, you left your gas cap open and, and, and it's just hanging there. Oh, thanks, thanks. Man, passionate. They're passionate to make sure I knew that. Are we that passionate? about saving someone from wandering that gas their gas cap has come loose and is just hanging there are are we passionate about that where we're blinking our lights and honking our horn and rolling down our window shouting to them you understand what i'm saying you see if we help a wanderer come back, we can save a soul. That'll be our last point, Jacob. So that's a little bit different than how you have it. Save the soul of a wanderer. That's what we get to do. Let's look at the verse one more time. Right at the end. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner, we'll talk about that word in a second, from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So let's go over the word sinner real quick. Because usually when we read sinner, we're talking about someone who is unsaved. Matthew 9.13, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Jesus says, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. He's talking about people that are not saved. People that are not saved. Luke 18 talks about the tax collector. 
who's a sinner. He says, he beats his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He's talking about being unsaved. I do not know God. Please help me to know you, to trust you. The tax collector was someone who continually, habitually practiced sin. Didn't trust God or Christ. Didn't trust in Jesus Christ and who he was. Almost always in Scripture, a sinner is someone who doesn't believe in God. However, 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ came into this world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Not, I was the foremost. He said, I am the foremost sinner. Paul's calling himself a sinner here, and most of the time he's referred to as a saint, but in this case he's saying, I am a sinner. I, I just think it's important for us to understand that he is actually talking about believers or people who have proclaimed to be believers. Let's follow his train of thought. So we start here at sinner. Sinner points back to him. Him points back to anyone. Like I said earlier, anyone points back to among you, and among you points back to brothers. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to people who say, I'm a Christian. Do you realize that 75% of all people in the United States of America say that they are Christians? 75% percent but many have walked away from the truth many have or didn't even know the truth and if they've walked away maybe it's been doctrinally or behaviorally but we get to be part of the process of bringing them back when I was preparing this message I was thinking about all the people that I know that say that they're a Christian. And I put those quotes up there, those air quotes, intentionally. Tom, if you can come up. You, you see, 75%. That means if you look around you, in your community, three out of four of your neighbors say that they're Christians. That means if the kids are at school, three out of four kids in their classroom are proclaiming believers. They'd be in the section of my brothers. Have you talked to your neighbors? Have you, have you had the conversation with them to say, hey, where do you go to church? Or, hey, uh, are you a Christian? Or all kinds of ways you can come about that. But if they said that they're a Christian, wow, what a great opportunity to have a conversation with them about their walk. You don't have to be a weirdo to do that. You have to just love somebody. You have to care about them. Three out of four. When I, when I started thinking about that and then connecting it with James saying, my brothers, and he was writing it to all the people that were proclaiming, hey, I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus Christ. I'm called a Christian. And now here in America, we say 75% say that they are Christians. And that's down, actually, from
from previous times. Man, the harvest is plenty. Amen? But the workers are few. Here's, here's what I want. You, you've got your notes. I've done, we've done the, already some notes. I want you to take a moment and think of individuals that say that they're Christians but might be wandering. You can write initials. You can write some secret code so no one else can understand it next to you. But who do you know that is proclaiming to be, oh, I, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower. But nothing is showing about that. Not that you go in and, and, and honk your horn and flash your lights and, and yell at them. No, you come around them and love them and build a relationship with them. And you exhort them in that process. My dad had this tire that he'd be driving along and this tire just constantly would lose air. Have you ever had a tire like that? We had it on one of our cars uh, a couple years ago where I literally constantly was filling the tires. And I liked it at the Casey's. They had free air. That was nice. And, and so you'd, you'd be filling that tire frequently. And so my dad, he'd driving along and and the air would just go out just slowly, just ever so slowly. And you know, he started forgetting about the tire because it was happening at such a slow pace. Life got busy for him. And all of a sudden, that slow leak became a flat tire on the side of the road. What did he need to do then? He needed to call for help. He was at a point of no return. He needed to get it dealt with at that moment. You see, there are so many of us. You could be included. That wander. We're prone to wander. We're prone to have that slow leak where we give in to a sin. Okay, then we... Then we get it aired up and we get it all taken care of. And then it starts leaking again because we're prone to wander. We're human. And unless we get the tire truly fixed, it's going to just keep happening. Now maybe another leak happens. And we got to get that fixed as well. But that's the beauty of Jesus Christ. He will help fix that tire over and over and over. And in the end, we'll be glorified. We'll get a brand new tire that never leaks. Do you have someone who's got that slow leak going on that's around you that you can become friends with, that you can write to, that you can connect with? Have you got to know your neighbors? Do you know their names? kids? Do you know the, the kids at your school? Do you know the, your, your co-workers? Do you actually know what's going on in their lives? Or is it always that social talk? Hey, weather's looking nice. Yeah, what are you doing for lunch? How's your weekend? Good. How's yours? Good. You see, that's the type of talk we do. We don't engage 
with relationships with people because if we do, man, watch out. Hopefully the Holy Spirit starts intervening there and you can actually make a major effect because what does it say? Bring back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul, save his soul from death. This is, this is not a challenge for me. This is a challenge from the Holy Spirit. I love the way Paul ended this. Again, it's, it's everything he's been talking about. Are you genuine? So that's how I'll end it. Are you a genuine believer in Jesus Christ? Or are you an excuse maker? Maybe you don't even trust in Jesus Christ. I don't know. I talked to my fellow pastors about, about the faithfulness of the congregation here at Indian Creek. But you know, I don't know what's going on in your hearts. Some of you may be wandering and you need help. I'd love to help. But if you read this, this entire two verses, nowhere in there does it say pastor. Nowhere in there does it say elder. Nowhere in there does it say righteous men. My brothers, referring to all the people that said that they are Christians, it's your job to help one another. That's why I love membership at a church. Because it, it puts us under a challenge to, to be, to get exhorted, to get, to get challenged in our own walk. So it's Tom's job to be helping somebody else. It's Alice's job to be helping her neighbor. A lot of times, we, we've got the pastor here, we've got another individual here who's the believer, and then you've got the wanderer or someone who doesn't believe. And, and so many times, the person who, who's in the church will say, oh, you've got to talk to my pastor. When it's us, the believer, every believer, not a pastor, every believer, it's their job. And that's what Paul's doing here. He's saying, oh, hey, I'm all the way in Jerusalem. I can't deal with this. And you know what? I'm not supposed to. It's you guys out there. You need to help each other. You need to help each other. Amen? Let's go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we are thankful to serve you, to worship you, to honor you, to praise you. But God, we need help. We need help in our walk. We need help in our ability to talk with other people and to challenge other people in a way that is loving and kind, in a way that is uplifting and praising your name. Lord, there are times where we do need to flash our lights and honk our horn and yell out the window and help someone because we are saving them. We, you challenge us to be the people to save others that we get to be part of that process. What a phenomenal thing. We praise you for that. We praise you for all that you've done for us and all that you continue to do 
to encourage us through your word. It's in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. And everybody said, amen.